So a while ago, I was told about this special tax provision for pastors, and my first instinct was not was to not believe it. I, I thought, it's like that old saying goes, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you are a licensed, ordained, or commissioned minister, and you have not heard about the special tax provision for church-sponsored 403B plans, you need to listen to this episode. These few minutes will be well worth your time. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. By the way, quick aside, we just passed 10,000 downloads on the Financial Pathway podcast. Thank you, everyone who's listened in. I know in the grand scheme of things, that's really not a lot. There's a lot of podcasts that get 10,000 plus downloads in a single episode. So I realize comparatively, this is small potatoes. But uh, from day one, there's been a consistent audience and it's only grown over time. So thank you so much, everybody who's listened. I know there are so many podcast options out there. Just the fact that you would even choose to download and listen to this one, that means a lot. It's really humbling. So thank you, everybody who's been listening. Uh, This feature that I'm talking about today about uh, tax savings for pastors, it really has huge potential. If you're a pastor, if you're a licensed, ordained, or commissioned minister, you could be saving thousands in taxes over time. And it really doesn't take a lot of work on your part. It all has to do with the IRS rules regarding pastors and housing allowance, which is a really interesting provision. So let's talk about that for a second. For example, let's say we've got a pastor who's in the 22% income tax bracket, and he decides he's going to start withdrawing money from his retirement account. Maybe he's 70 years old now, no longer pastoring, It's time to start drawing from his retirement savings. So he's going to withdraw $2,000 a month from his retirement account. Ordinarily, what this would mean is he's going to start paying 22% on those withdrawals because those would be taxable withdrawals. That amounts to $5,280 in income taxes. So of the $24,000 that he pulls out in a year, less than $19,000 actually is going to go towards paying for what he needs the money for. But what if there is a way to pay zero in income taxes on that money? This is where the church-sponsored 403B plan comes in. So what is a 403B, you ask? Well, basically what you need to know is it's the equivalent of a 401K, but it's for nonprofits. That's what a 403B is. There's two key differences that you'd really want to be aware of when it comes to 403Bs versus 401Ks. One is a technical difference. The other is a little bit more of a practical difference. Here's the big technical difference. For 401Ks, they have something called discrimination testing. So if you have a 401k plan, maybe at your business, maybe you work in HR, maybe you're familiar with this, but there's lots of rules and testing that has to be done each year to make sure that your plan is in compliance. So for a 401k, the idea is it shouldn't be disproportionately benefiting highly compensated employees over less compensated employees. So 401ks, for the most part, there's a lot of benefits, but it comes with some some downsides in, in the form of having to comply with ERISA. 403B plans, on the other hand, because they're for schools, for nonprofits, or for churches, um, they don't necessarily have to follow those same rules. So if your 403B plan is a non-ERISA plan, which most are, then they don't have to follow all those discrimination testing, meaning you have more flexibility over who's eligible, who gets contributions, who gets a match, how much, and um, a lot of employers like 
that flexibility. That, and and the, the testing doesn't have to be done. The, um, the, the, the IRS form that usually has to be filed for 401k plans don't have to be filed with the non-ERISA plans. So that's a really key difference. Practical difference is on the investment side. So the types of investments that you're going to see offered. So if you're going to be a participant in the plan, what kinds of investments are available to you? With 401ks, it's usually mutual funds. And that's because most of the 401k plans are set up by mutual fund companies. So a, a Fidelity or a Vanguard or Transamerica or the companies like this that have funds, they're going to skew towards offering their mutual funds inside of that plan. And that's, that's typically what you're going to see. The 403B plans, especially for school districts, a lot of them are administered by insurance companies. And so a lot of them will offer mutual funds, but they'll also offer annuities inside of the plans. You say, why is that? Well, because the insurance companies, that's kind of their bread and butter is doing annuities. So they would like to put their own products in there, their own proprietary products. And so you're going to see a lot of 403B plans offer annuities in addition to mutual funds. So the investments for practical purposes are a lot of times going to be different in that regard. Now, the key difference for pastors here is going to be how they are taxed on the money coming out of the 403B. Typically, here's how it goes. Here's, here's usually how this works. You make a contribution into your retirement plan, 401k, 403b, what have you. And that money that you put in, you don't have to pay taxes on it. Now you get, it, it goes in what we call pre-tax. So you don't pay income taxes on it now. And then that money starts to grow. It gets invested in these different funds and it grows over time. And as long as it's inside the account, you're not being taxed on that growth. But when you take it out one day in retirement, you will be taxed because the IRS says, well, you didn't pay taxes back then. Now you have to pay taxes on the other end when it comes out. By the way, a Roth contribution is the exact opposite. So when people will make a Roth contribution to their 401k or they contribute to a Roth IRA, what they're doing is they're taking money that they have already paid taxes on. So they're foregoing the tax benefit now. They'll say, I'll pay the taxes up front, put the money in, it grows. They're not paying taxes on the growth. And then when they take it out one day, they don't pay any taxes on the withdrawal. So depending on your tax situation where you're at, it may make more sense to get a tax benefit now, may make more sense to get a tax benefit later. But the IRS has some special rules for licensed, ordained, or commissioned ministers, which if you're if you're serving as a pastor, you're probably one of the probably one of those three, licensed, ordained, or maybe even commissioned. And there's rules about housing allowance. So what is housing allowance? If you're a pastor, your ministry, you priority, no. But uh, for those that maybe are not sure, you can designate a portion of your income as housing allowance under the IRS rules, and it can't be more than your actual qualified housing expenses. So you can't just pick a number out of thin air and be like, that's my housing expense. There, there's rules as far as what counts for housing allowance. But um, so there's limitations there. But up to that limit, you can claim as housing allowance. And it also can't be more than your pay. So if you only make, you know, maybe $10,000 from the church, you can't designate 15000 as my housing allowance. So it's either up to as much as you get paid or up to the housing allowance limit. But that portion that's designated as housing allowance is not subject to federal income tax. So let's say we've got a pastor who is paid $60,000 a year from his church. And he's able to claim $20,000. The church designates $20,000 as his housing allowance. That means for that 20000 he does not pay any income taxes on it. He will pay income taxes on the 40000 That would be considered his salary. The rest would be considered housing allowance. That's a huge tax benefit. So just quick pause, quick time out here. 
if you fall in that category and you are not claiming housing allowance, I would really recommend that you look into that like as soon as possible because you you could be missing out on a huge tax benefit just right there. But it gets even better. So keep listening. Did you know that pastors can also claim housing allowance in retirement, even if they are no longer collecting pay from a church or from a ministry? So the way this works is if you're withdrawing from funds from a retirement plan that is sponsored by a church or sponsored by a ministry that you are or were a part of, you are able to claim housing allowance from those withdrawals. So, and again, up to the allowed limits. You can't just make it any number, but as long as you know within the IRS limits of what your housing allowance would be ordinarily, you can claim up to that amount. So, for example, again, you got a retired pastor. Let's say that he would ordinarily be able to claim up to $30,000 of housing allowance based on his situation. If he's going to withdraw $18,000 from his church-sponsored retirement account that he set up years before, then he could claim that full amount as housing allowance and it would be tax-free now here comes the usual disclaimer all right anytime we start talking about taxes if you're going to do this make sure you talk to a tax pro make sure they understand your situation the housing allowance limits make sure you do this correctly don't just go out there and wing it but with all those assumptions in place this is a huge huge tax benefit now here's the big catch okay this isn't just from any account though it has to be from a church-sponsored plan. So if you've got money in an IRA, a Roth IRA, a 401k that was from a secular job, those do not count. It has to be from a church-sponsored retirement plan. So not just any retirement plan that you have and you happen to be a pastor. So you got to be careful about that. So here's a conversation I've had with pastors very recently. Uh, I've had this with several pastors. They have money that they saved previously when they were working in ministry. So it's from their ministry pay. And they put their money aside in an IRA. Now, as the rules stand, they are not able to claim housing allowance from those IRA withdrawals. One day when they start taking money out of the IRA, they have to pay the applicable tax. But here's what they can do. This is really cool. They can roll the IRA into their 403B account at their church. Or if they don't have one, they can set up a 403B account and then roll the money over. And then because now it's inside the 403B account... When they want to make withdrawals in retirement, they would be able to elect housing allowance from that amount. So this is a phenomenal opportunity for pastors. Like this is the best thing going basically as far as retirement accounts for pastors because of this unique tax, um, because of this this unique tax provision. It's very possible that your retirement uh, contributions. The money that you're putting away for for retirement could be triple tax exempt. Ordinarily, you have to pay taxes on one end, front or the back, whichever one, depending, you know, Roth or or your regular pre-tax. This way, though, with, with this provision, you would make contributions, not pay income tax on the front end. The money would grow, no income tax. And then when you take it out, you can designate it as housing allowance. And as long as it's within the housing allowance limits, it's all coming out tax-free as well, or even if it's not all tax-free, most of it's tax-free, that's huge. That is, I mean, a massive, massive advantage and one that I think a lot of pastors are not even aware of. So uh, on top of that, by the way, it gets even better because whatever you put in of your own money, out of your own paycheck into your 403b account, you don't have to pay the social security and Medicare taxes on that. Now, pastors for sake of the social security, 
excuse me, Social Security and Medicare tax are considered self-employed, so they have to pay both sides. Usually, employer pays 7.65%, employee pays 7.65%. Pastors have to pay both of that. So it adds up to 15.3%. So that's a big chunk that comes off the top. Any money that you contribute into 403B, you don't have to pay that tax on. So if you're going to put $1,000, $5,000, do the math, multiply that times 15.3%. It's basically what you're you're going to be saving in that Social Security Medicare tax right there. So how much can you contribute to these plans? Well, here's some good news. It's much more than you can, you can contribute to a regular IRA or Roth IRA. Normally, you can put 6000 a year into a Roth IRA or IRA, 7000 if you're 50 or older. With a 403B account, you can put up to $20,500 a year. This is for 2022. They usually bump it up each year. So for 2022, $20,500 uh, $20, a year from your pay, from your paycheck. If you're 50 or older, you can do up to $27,000. Now, the church can also contribute if they want. It's not a requirement, but if they would like to offer a match or a flat dollar contribution, they're able to do that. The combination of your contributions and the church's contributions can't be more than $61,000. Now, I know what some of you are already thinking. You're like, that's that's no problem. Uh, I'm not going to get anywhere near that. Well, for the most case, I, I know that that's usually true. Where I've seen this, though, actually become an issue as far as needing to stay within limits is sometimes, especially as a pastor gets closer to retirement, he's maybe in his last couple years at a church, he either maybe himself personally wants to start stashing away more into his retirement account, or the church also wants to kind of um, give him a one-time gift or, or, or really bump up their contributions to his plan in those later years. And so that's where that limit can sometimes come into play. Now, as far as flexibility, who who's eligible to be part of the plan? How much do we have to contribute? Because it's non-ERISA, as long as the 403B plan is non-ERISA, you have a lot of leeway on that. Now, what about investments? What can I invest in? It's going to depend on who your plan provider is, who you go with to help you set up this plan. Some plans only offer their own mutual funds, so you may or may not like the, th that those options. Others offer a wider menu, maybe 20, 30 different funds. Some may offer annuities. Make sure you discuss this. Make sure you look into this before setting your plan up and know what the investment options are and if they're suitable and if, if they're, they're the ones that you think are, are actually in the best interest of the participants. Now, where can you set this plan up? All right, when pastors used to ask me this, where, where to go to set up a 403B, I used to tell them one of the following places. You can go to Envoy, go to Guidestone, or go to Timothy Plan. They, they call it the Master's Plan. It's done by Timothy Plan. Same, same thing. All of these places do a large number of church 403Bs. They're very familiar with the process, very familiar with the frequently asked questions. The challenge, however, that I found in all of this is that with church 403B plans, companies that do retirement plans, they usually like to go after larger fish. There's not a lot that do the church 403B plan. So the bigger ones, the Fidelis, the Schwabs, the Vanguards, et cetera, you know, the big names that you've heard of, they usually don't care to go into the, the church 403B space because that's not where the money is. They'd rather go after the bigger ones, school districts, larger companies, government entities, because they have lots of participants who make a lot of money. And let's face it, with churches, you know, you're usually not looking at people that are making large amounts of money. So it's tough to make a church plan more cost effective. So comparatively, there's usually higher fees. And it makes sense. It stinks, but that's just kind of the reality. Because the participants don't have a lot of money and because there's not a lot of participants, if somebody's going to do a church plan, 
usually the fees compared to a regular 401k are going to be larger because it has to be cost effective for that business. So I decided to take a deep dive um, a while back and say, okay, how can I address the pain points? Because what I was finding is looking at churches that were trying to set up a 403b plan, they were running into three big obstacles, three main challenges. And here's what they were. Number one was the cost. A lot of providers, a lot of 403b church plan providers were charging several hundred dollars a year just to maintain the plan. So you got to pay money up front, you got to pay money each year, just to even have the plan. And then on top of that, each participant has fees that they have to pay. So, um, you know, on a proportionate basis to how much was being contributed to the plan and how much is going to fees, it's really hard to justify for a lot of smaller churches that, okay, if we're putting an X and 10, 20 plus percent of that is actually going towards fees, is this really a smart decision? Is this really cost effective? So that was a challenge. Number two is the investments. Some plans, like I said, they only offer their own proprietary funds. So, and by the way, that's the way they're going to make their money. So they figure, okay, we can't charge a lot of money up front or on a yearly basis um, because it's cost prohibitive. But the way we will make money is people will use our funds. So we make money from the expenses inside the funds. We we run, there's there's costs baked into the funds for the running of the fund. So that's how we'll make money. Everybody puts money in our funds. And, you know, as that money grows, then our, our, our share of that revenue grows. So, I mean, this really limits your options as a participant, as, as a church plan. You may not like those fund options, and there may not be a lot of them. And probably those funds are not going to have as strong of a return because, in part, because of their higher fee structure. And so it's just not ideal is what I'm saying. And then thirdly was the relationship aspect of it, because when a church is trying to set up a 403B, it can be a complicated procedure. They're not, they're not used to that world and the jargon and the lingo, and you usually don't have a go-to person on that. So in the course of the first year setting up your plan, depending on what stage, what questions, you pick up the phone, you get the 1-800 number, you can be talking to four or five different people, and there's not a lot of continuity it can lead to a lot of confusion because the information you get over here may not match with the information you got over here and, and people aren't on the same page because the person you talked to this time is not the person you talked to last time and et cetera. So because of these pain points, I decided, you know what? I need to do a deep dive. I need to figure out if there's another way to do this to offer something to churches, to offer 403B that doesn't run into these issues. And so uh, I talked to several different providers, um, really looked at, every angle as far as options. And I've decided to partner with Aspire and I've now been setting up 403B plans for churches because of everything that I just talked about in this episode. And Aspire is a 403B custodian, their record keeper, they handle processing work for thousands of 403B plans. This is right in their wheelhouse. This is why they were one of the people that I talked to. So my role in all of this is, is taking the main relationship role with churches, being the point of contact, helping get the plan set up, educating about the plan, educating about investments, managing the investment options. So doing all of that. Now, at the risk of sounding biased, okay, I I now can offer churches a 403B plan that has a massive tax benefit for pastors, a lower cost than any plan that I'm aware of, a wider range of investment options, so we're not limited to one fund company, and just making the whole process easier by being the single point of contact for all the questions for the concern. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Now that you, you spent a few minutes and listened to this episode, 
do me a favor. If you're a pastor and you've not set up a retirement plan, I would encourage you to look into it right now. My contact info is in the show notes, so you can reach out to me. Talk to me, but also talk to other providers. Talk to Guidestone, Envoy, Timothy Plan, any others that you can find. Find the solution that makes sense for you. If you're not a pastor, though, talk to your pastor. This is a huge benefit. I, I think a lot of pastors would love to take advantage of it. They're just not aware of it. It's just not something they even know is out there. So please help me in getting the word out because this is a really great thing. And I just feel like a lot of people are not even aware and not taking advantage of it. So as always, thank you everybody for listening to this episode and I will see you on the next one.